I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, July 11th, 2020. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed ...in the dollar... ...it's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? listening to Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio, Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Nick Antonucci. Nick, are you there? What's up, everybody? Nick. I'm oh. here. Oh, yeah, there you are. Uh, we also have on the line, we've got Jessica Thomas. Jesse. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, hey. Uh, Jesse opted, uh, we always give um, co-hosts the, the option to either show up and I would have called in. Nobody gave me that option. Oh, except Nick. We give everyone <laughs> else the option except Nick. And uh, Jesse decided she didn't want any part of us because we got cooties, I think. That's uh, true. Sure. Coo- cooties. Cooties, yeah. spelled C-O-V-I-D. Yeah, whatever. That right? I, none of us have had. You're right. COVID. But Knock on wood yeah, right now. Yeah, that was my head, Nick. Huh. Uh, thanks. Anyway, uh, so... You know, at the end of every show, we always say, market up or down. This week, again, I was right. Market's up, what, 1.35 for the week? That's right. And we're almost positive year to date. date. We're down on total return. That is, we're down 1.24%, something around that. 164? 124, yeah. 124, okay. Yeah, so we're almost positive. We've been positive before a couple of times. Well, the NASDAQ is. The Nasdaq's positive, which is all-time highs, stocks, right? yeah, and it continues to rip higher. Yeah, and you know you can't. I personally can't help but to hear that, really process it, and then somehow connect that with the fact that Q2 earnings are expected to decline 43.1 percent. Yeah, I mean, technology sector is up 18.94 percent year to date. Right. Which, I mean, does that surprise you? I think it might, but uh, then you stop and think, well, where, what has actually worked through this whole thing? We've been working from home. Yeah, so you and, had and to use technology to do that. I, I can mm-hmm. see justification in some of the names. Some of the tech names um, I, I would expect are going to see big uh, top and bottom line increases throughout all this. Demand's going to pick up. Um, but even you consider technology. It's up how much did you say? Eighteen point nine four. Um, it is the second best expectation for earnings growth in Q two. You want to guess what what the growth is? Um, expectations probably negative fourteen percent. Negative eight. Okay. So the second best earnings grower forecasted in Q two is still an eight percent decline. And it's up. It's the big. It's 19%. a few big names that are carrying the Nasdaq. That That's are carrying true. the S and P five hundred. I think they said the top five or something. Now are twenty five plus percent of the overall of the overall. Yeah, 
index. It's it's absolutely absurd. So and it, what would those it, it top five be? It's, it's going to be, be your Google, Microsoft, Apple, Microsoft. I'm sure Microsoft, it, the Fangs. Yeah. Or Facebook. Yeah, and even Facebook. You know, Facebook. If you've paid attention to that stock or the news, really, a lot of uh, companies are boycotting Facebook. They're pulling and, their yeah. advertisements from Facebook, and the stock hit an all-time high the other day. Yeah. Amidst all this. Right. So it's it's hard to make sense out of some of this. It, you know, listen, we all want the market to keep going higher, but at some point, you have to to think to yourself: Does this justify? Do the economic fundamentals justify where the market is right now? Yeah. What I would say, Nick, and and you know I agree. There's there's some questions about valuation in the market, and I, I'm usually pretty quick to point those out. But uh, the one thing I will say is, you know, you you've got to manage your risk Absolutely. as well as managing your returns. Um, and that's it goes at, at all times. Absolutely, absolutely. And and right now the risk. In the market, does look like, um, you know, we've had valuation changes so significantly since March 23rd. I, you know, from February 19th of this year to March 23rd, the market lost 33.79 percent, something like that, um, almost 34 percent. We can round it down, right? Um, so in this case, uh, we've seen the market um, really just rip back higher. Yeah. And uh, as we said. Technology leading the way up 18.94% year-to-date. Consumer discretionary is up 13.75%. Um, communication services up 4.94%. Mm-hmm. And one more, healthcare is up 0.26. Now, this is a healthcare event. You would think that healthcare would have done a bit better. I mean, everybody in the healthcare industry is working, right? The answer is no. There's a lot of things that are within healthcare that are elective. Right, and, and you're seeing those individuals <laughs> furloughed or, or business slow up. I mean, look at the results we saw today from Walgreens. You would think they have clinics, prescriptions. Right. Yeah. But they also have a lot of front stores. So the front store is suffering, not to mention people aren't going to the doctor for minor things. Well, one of the major things that they mentioned in their earnings release was the fact that uh, people weren't going to the doctor for, for their run-of-the-mill and it caused a decline in pharmaceutical sales yeah, and where's by about 1.3%. It was just that minor, and yet the stock really got yeah, beaten up. That's a big contributor to, to Walgreens, obviously. Um, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's, it's been very niche areas of the market that have worked well. Yeah, um, everything else is negative, by the way. So we've got four sectors that are higher, information technology, consumer discretionaries, consumer services, and healthcare, all positive. Everything else is. Listen, to that four. You said four sectors. Yeah, four sectors, and, and we're could, almost positive for the year. Only flat. four sectors are carrying us to positive. Yeah, and really, I mean, we got two that are double digit plus, and uh, one is four point nine four. The other, more or less flat, zero point two six percent. On the other end of that, energy down forty percent, still kind of struggling. There's very muted demand uh, because people are still working from home. Um, financials down 25.28%, industrials down 16, utilities down 105 Now, does that make sense? Utilities are down. No, I, I mean, to me it makes sense. People are home more, using the air more, using electricity more. You would uh, think it would be a bit higher than that, but 
There they are. I, it's interest rate sensitive. And if you look at the interest rates we've But you seen, would assume with interest being interest rate sensitive, you've seen yields move down. It would right. incentivize people to pile into those dividend payers to get yeah. that, that, that cash flow. Even over the last month, interest rates are down 0.3%, which uh, did they even have that much to, I know, to right? lose? They did, but barely. Uh, we've got uh, the 10-year knocking on the door again for its all-time low. We're what, within... We're at 60 basis points right now as of uh, July the 9th, and we're six basis points away from touching that all-time low. I think it was March 23rd, somewhere in there that we March touched March 9th. It. March 9th was the all-time low. For oh, the 10-year. intraday, you're saying. Yeah, I believe it was... So it was the in the middle not, of the day? Nonetheless, not a close in day. March, close enough. Um, but, you know, Troy, if you look at the economic data that we've been seeing, it's uh, it's obviously improving largely. It is, but yeah. I think it's important to put in the context of it's improving off of horrifically low uh, <laughs> numbers. Historic. Low. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, you know, you, you can look at the PMI numbers. We got both uh, the IHS market composite PMI, which looks at both the services sector and the manufacturing sector of the economy, revised higher to 47.9 in June from a preliminary estimate of 46.8, much better than last month's 37. Right. Then you have the Institute for Supply Management non-manufacturing PMI, which is the services, services. sector. Jumped up to 57.1 in June from 45.4 in the previous month. Anything 50 or below. Is expansionary. Anything 50 or above is expansionary. Right? Cor- yeah, yes. Yeah, so anything below 50 is basically contractionary. Right. We we went from 45.4 uh, in May to 57.1 in June. So a positive note, but I did notice within that non-manufacturing PMI, employment fell. Yep. It was slower than previous month. Uh, it was 43.1 versus 31.8, so both in still under that 50 mark. Um, but uh, you know the the uh, situation is employment fell, and the consumer was our big uh, bolster prior to this. Our Absolutely, was we, we we continued to say week after week that consumers was carrying us right now. And you know to touch back on employment, I think it's something we'll cover in a, in a, one of the next few segments when we have a bit more time to discuss it. But I think it's worth mentioning. You know, keeping an eye on the, the jobs picture on a weekly basis, really. Yeah. yeah. Because the the Constantly. situation is so fluid. It might be. Now we've seen several weeks of improvement, but what does next week look like when you're starting to have some of these reopenings? Uh, kind of toned down and restrictions put back in place. Yeah, that's probably the most troubling part. Uh, one more thing that we can mention, then we'll take a real quick break, but MBA uh, mortgage applications came out. This is a weekly number. Uh, we did see a 2.2% increase, and it looks like uh, purchase uh, volume has risen 33%, while refinance is up 111%. Uh, wow. But uh, mortgage applications uh, were 5.3% higher, and... Uh, um, refinance low, apps man. were 0.4 percent. So, uh, yeah, the the all-time low right now on a 30-year mortgage rate, uh, fixed mortgage, 3.26 percent. Well, that's pretty. Dang and we hear amazing. people getting locking in lower than that. Yeah, yeah in the no twos, doubt. high twos. Yeah. All right, let's take a real quick break. You're listening to Money Talks. Money Talks. We'll be right back. This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, we 
got a really good dog of the week this week. In fact, it's not even a dog. It's a chicken. Chicken of the week. How about that? Uh, there's a uh, Texas, there's a family in Fair Oaks Ranch, Texas. Um, Justin Matthews noted uh, his family noticed Reba, their chicken, was missing. Good name for the chicken. I, I mean, you know what I like to do here, right? I either talk about a business model or technology or various things. This or one chicken. is chicken. This one's very <laughs> seriously technology. Uh, so the chicken went missing, and what's the first thing you do when your chicken is missing? Of course, you get on your Ring app and figure out whether or not you can pull video and find out what happened to your chicken. Um, the Matthews family did just that. And they discovered their chicken went missing shortly after. So we've got one technology already. This is how many technologies does it take to find your chicken. Also, this is why technology stocks are up. Oh, well, it, it very well might be. <laughs> They're single-handedly inflating it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so uh, Ring App shows them that their chicken got in the trunk of a visitor's car as it was left open. The visitor was the Instacart driver that brought them groceries. So there's our number two technology. So the way this happens is Instacart shows up, delivers groceries, leaves the trunk of the car open, chicken jumps in the trunk. Guy doesn't notice there's a chicken in his trunk, walks by. In fact, there's video online of this. He walks by looking at his phone, reaches over nonchalantly, closes the, the <laughs> deck lid, the trunk, and hops in his car. He drives to his next location, which just so happens to be a refill at the Costco, gets his groceries to go to the next stop, opens the trunk, chicken flies out of the trunk. Of course, right? I wish there was video. Surely Costco has <laughs> parking lot footage of the, the reveal. I would hope. He says that he thought he was being pranked, so he just let the chicken go. Well, Good Samaritan shows up. Finds a chicken roaming in the Costco parking lot, takes said Reba home. The family, distraught, knowing that there is a chicken the out there. The family chicken has gone missing. Well, it's one of three family chickens. They they didn't stop at one. I mean, they've got a, a whole flock of these chickens. Uh, they decide. Is that proper so so is we're a what? Flock of chickens. Oh well, of course they're okay. birds. Yeah, seagulls, whatever. I mean, you don't remember the '80s, but there was a band named that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, the, the, uh, family then decides to use technology number three. They go on Facebook. Well, the, first of all, they called Instacart. Instacart notified the driver. The driver told him what had happened. He thought he'd been pranked, let the chicken go. They go to Facebook, post the missing chicken on Facebook. Long story short, the chicken is back home. The Good Samaritan found the chicken in the parking lot and also saw... Thank God for technology. I mean... I was going <laughs> to say, in 2000, you would have never found the chicken, but then again, in 2000, you wouldn't have had your groceries delivered. Or maybe you'd hopped in the web van. Yeah, the web van. But yeah. it might have gone bankrupt before you would have gotten yeah. notification. Who Too knows? Bad. I mean, it did go down pretty quick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that right. old movie, Chicken Run. That doesn't want it out. Chicken Run. Yeah. You could make... How about that? You could uh, You could make your own video game out of this. Um, to find out how your chicken got away. So, so there you have it. It takes three technologies to find your lost chicken. Uh, strangest story I've heard. Thank God, Reba's okay. Uh, me, I mean, you know, I'm I'm glad too. It's just uh, really strange that uh, in 2020, you can lose your chicken, 
I mean, who's still got chickens is the problem. But you can lose your chicken and use a few technologies and get your chicken back. Yeah. I mean, this is, what this a world is we live new in. world that meets old world for sure right here. Farmer finds chicken yeah. using Facebook. Unbelievable. Ring and Instacart. I mean, this is awesome. I it is. It's it's obviously more touching to me than it is the rest of you. Well, you're more of a chicken guy than I am, but well, yeah. I whatever. mean, I have had a chicken yeah. or two in my life. I don't know, Jesse. No chickens at your house. I hear no, you. No, not at my house. I'm out of room. Yeah. Well, uh, you're you're the cat lady these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Soon, soon to be ex cat lady. Just uh, doing doing what I can to help out the the little stray kittens. Yeah. So we can't leave it there. It'd be like an inside joke. Jesse takes in a stray. Dumpster cat, she calls it, uh, and uh, turns out that the that the stray cat is actually an expectant mother. So uh, she went from one cat to eight cats in just a matter of two or three months. And this has been your animal minute, brought to you by Hensler well, Financial. I mean, if you're going to bring it up, you got to say something <laughs> about it. That's not your animal minute. Come on. I mean, that's, we talk animals usually bulls and bears, though. Well, you're right. All right, uh, let's move on. Why not? What do you say? We got a uh, situation we want to talk about. We got a couple of folks, and uh, names have been changed, obviously. It's the way this works. Uh, we got Catherine and Stephen, who are in their late 40s. Um, they're disappointed with the stock selection of their portfolio. Their money managers, uh, they, they've got several choices that have uh, lost significantly during the decline from uh, mid-February to late March of uh, this year. And um, they had a bunch of money in energy stocks, so uh, obviously that got kicked down pretty bad. Uh, looking at their portfolio performance, they think they're needing to pick new stocks, I guess. Um, the money manager sent them a list of different portfolios designed for their, for their range from conservative to aggressive. Uh, uh, they're, they're kind of a moderately conservative bunch so they like stocks but they like uh, those that pay out dividends and things of that nature sure. but um, <clears throat> they notice some of the stocks uh, have issues uh, that they have issues with are in all of their portfolios all of the the portfolios that are there so what we want to do is is maybe talk a little about uh, you know what what the process should be for picking stocks and whether or not there's an issue. Number one, I think it's probably the easiest thing to do to go to your portfolio, look at your holdings uh, and see what's trading at a loss, what's gained, and then make a determination that you don't like the losers, sell them and buy the winners. But what you risk in doing that is you wind up with uh, a bunch of stocks that uh, could be overvalued, which... Yeah often happens. It's part of the conversation we had leading into the show. Um, you know, technology's up almost 19% year to date. Is that reasonable? Well, you know, Troy, what I uh, immediately think of is, is kind of one of the key lessons we, we talked in the beginning is diversification, right? Right. Uh, different industries operate in differently depending on where we are in the economic cycle. Right. So you would expect in times of, uh, you know, high growth, um, Utilities, consumer staples, healthcare. telecom, healthcare, those that don't really grow earnings as quickly um, are, are not going to be bid up as high as the, the discretionary technology, high growth names. Right. Um, but on the other side, when, when the economy starts to slow, where do people flock to? 
those companies that don't grow as fast, but they have predictable, stable cash flows. Um, And you, you said one word that makes a lot of sense, stable, predictable. I mean, those are, those are all things that you want in a, in a company that's, uh, uh, that you're using to save for your retirement for sure. Yeah. And I think something key here is you need to, it's, it's absolutely smart of you to look at your individual positions and how are they performing. But then you also have to dig a little deeper than that and say, okay, now is something inherently wrong with this business and it's going to continue to lose money? Or is the thesis and reason why you purchased that company still intact? And are you now getting it at a significantly cheaper price than what you were paying for before? Because if, if we still feel that story is intact and, and we think long term this company is going to grow, you know, at earnings at 10 percent, 12 percent, and we can now get it at a 30, 35 percent discount, we'd be silly not to add to that position. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that uh, that a lot of folks within the financial industry will try to tell you is that the stock market is efficient, meaning that it knows precisely what it's doing. And I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to point out, especially with an individual company. There are inefficiencies in the market. So I, my, my counter argument would be to look at all the trading in these bankrupt companies. Hearts. Hearts. <laughs> is that what you're talking about? Luck and coffee. I mean, right. you name it. What's the stock of the week this week that's that's going bankrupt and, and will soar hundreds of percents in a week? Yeah. So it's it's really good. I mean, look at look at your portfolio. Check out the losers. Uh, you might reassess. Do do some uh, homework. Make sure that what you own uh, still, Nick, as you said, the story is intact. But if it's if it is still intact, quite often you've bought a company that's got probably the most uh, attractive valuation in your whole portfolio. Yeah. Uh, and those that have done really well, quite often, you know, the momentum plays out after a while or, you know, it doesn't take much. Uh, often the market, in fact, always the market trades on expectations. So uh, when you're looking at historic returns, you're actually tantamount to looking in the rearview mirror and trying to drive your car forward down the road. Yeah, and I think it's also important to, to understand that not everything can be foreseen. Uh, for example, the pandemic. Uh, no one no one saw that coming. It's a black swan event. And there's some things that you just can't plan for. Absolutely. And there are implications to that that will take time to reverse. So, you know, don't don't assume that this is something that could have been prevented. Absolutely. Well, Nick, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little more about the same topic. Stick around. You're listening. To she don't care about education. Money is her motivation. More than 3,000 airplanes have been put in storage. That's 50% of the United States active fleet. When business as normal is no longer normal, this is your economic emergency kit. Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci and Jesse Thomas, and uh, this is Money Talks. Hey, Troy. Oh, hey, Nick. I don't know. Chime yeah. in. You didn't like that. I didn't respond in the intro. Well, that was early. I I got over it now. Okay. But uh, thanks for making sure that you were heard. Yeah. Great don't, show. Don't want to miss you, Nick. Um. All right. So uh, I was saying, if you would like to have your question answered on the air, we'd love to hear from you. And in order to do that, you can call us on our question hotline. The number is one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. Uh, you leave a voicemail, we uh, play it on the air and answer your question right behind it. 
If you prefer not to call us that way, you can call and speak to a human being. The number for that would be 770-429-9166. Call in, ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, and uh, she will take down your question, make sure it gets to us, and we'll answer that on the air as well. Or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Or you can go to our website. We've got lots of information loaded on Hensler.com. That's spelled again, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Before the break, we were talking about uh, a situation where uh, a couple had um, basically been looking over their performance, and they weren't really happy. Uh, It's, you know, looking at historic performances is is a good exercise. It's it's one of the many ways that you can uh, determine whether or not... um, you're you're uh, getting what you want obviously another would be if you watch it daily and i really don't recommend that but uh you know if you watch your portfolio daily and you see fluctuations in price that make you nervous most people don't wring their hands when their uh, portfolio values increase but uh, if it's going down more than you're comfortable with obviously you might be taking more risk than you meant to uh in this case though it sounds as if um you know they were uh it, it's a, a conservative couple you know, wanting a, a moderately conservative portfolio, probably looking at something that gives them dividends. Nick, you talked about total return. And what that means is uh, the difference in, in price or price appreciation plus dividends that you achieve. So it's uh, that's what folks mean when they talk about a total return concept. So um, another thing that we wanted to talk about, uh, you know, I mentioned it's not always best just to look and sell the losers and buy your winners, let the big dog eat kind of concept. Uh, you you need to make sure those losers really are broken before you go selling them because if not, you you know you might uh, struggle. I, I will point out that if you would have watched when uh, uh, between February 19th and March 23rd, the market lost 33.78 percent. Uh, if you looked at the energy sector, it lost 55%. Yeah. Now, it's still down 40%, you know, as of uh, recording of this show that we talked about earlier uh, on a year-to-date basis. But um, from March 23rd until recently, it has also gained 55% when the overall market was up about 40 So you would have been better to hold your energy companies instead of selling and I know that was one of their specific uh, grievances was you know how much energy they held um, if you're looking at a portfolio that is focused on dividend payers quite often you'll have you know these are these are mature companies but in the in the energy sector obviously there was something bigger going on uh, demand destruction but at the same time an oversupply in the market by Saudi Arabia which drove crude oil to the floor and uh, sure. the reason that we didn't really change anything uh, in in our recommended portfolios, uh, just as way of explanation, is because we knew that the prices that uh, were being achieved in the market weren't sustainable by the major producers. When you've got oil selling sub twenty dollars a barrel, uh, and and the company that produce or the country that produces most of it actually sets their um, their annual budget based on maybe $72 a barrel, you know they're not going to let it stay that way that long. They're not going to ever be able to produce enough and sell it, uh, enough oil and sell it to to warrant a price of 20 bucks 
I mean, just think about how much you would have to overcome, and it would be more than three times normal. So, you know, when, it, when something like that goes on, it is wise to uh, stop and think about what, what's happening um, and then make your decision based on that. It's not what's happened to this point. Uh, you know, you try to do away with the emotion. It is easy to get mad about what has happened and just decide, well, I don't want to own this anymore. But the reality is if you keep a clear mind and decide what's going to happen next, it's always the forward-looking piece that matters most. Yeah, and, you know, Troy, I, I just kind of did this brain exercise before the show just to see what it looked like. And what I did is I pulled the worst-performing stocks in the S&P 500 um, for the last calendar year that we could compare the next full calendar year too so it'd be how did it perform um in 2018 and then how did it perform in 2019 so the worst performers in 2018 were cody uh mohawk industries l brands ge perigo invesco western digital um their following years returns cody was up 81 percent mohawk was up 16 uh, L Brands, which continues to get absolutely smashed, it's retail, uh, down 25%. So that one doesn't really hold true here. But GE, 55% up. Perigo, 32% up. Which is Invesco, about market rate. 16% up. And Western Digital, 78% up. So, y- you know, it's it's a small sample. You'd really have to do kind of more data mining here and, and do a true study in it. But just because something has a bad year, bad few months, doesn't mean that it is broken or that it can't right. rebound. Well, there's an old concept, the dogs of the Dow. Quite often people just exactly. look at, you, at the, the worst Dow industrials and buy the five worst uh, performers in the previous year. That's right. And uh, and that actually has had significant outperformance of the overall market. So, uh, you know, just using that alone, which we don't really recommend. I'd rather look at the fundamentals overall yeah. and know the story. And also the Dow is, is a good sample because it's, it's high-quality companies. You can't just blindly – do that. You can't just say, "Oh, this was a a loser in the previous year and buy it." You still have to have the good, solid, uh, financially strong companies that you're buying into. You don't want to buy something that could go bankrupt. Yeah, and uh, three of the things that we look at very closely: valuation, uh, which means you know the price, use the price ratios to determine, and don't just measure them against the market overall. Measure them against their industry peers and sub-industry peers, uh, but also look at the company's history. Uh, in those price uh, ratios as well. So like the price to book, price to earnings, uh, things of that nature. And uh, Nick, you you mentioned it earlier, diversification. You need to own some companies in every single sector so that you can smooth out your returns. Uh, You know, it's great. If if you just wanted to look in the rearview mirror, you'd go out and find the best performer to date and buy that one and that one only. I mean, so, you know, just that example alone and shows you, can, you it's a broken process just to look at historic returns. Right, and you can be selective within the sector. Like, I, I always harken back to us and, and financials. We don't – financials, you automatically think banks, right? Well, there's more to the financial sector than right. banks. Insurance. Insurance, um, asset managers. Sure. Um, you have things like the New York Stock Exchange, ICE, Intercontinental Exchange, yeah. CBOE. So there are – you can get creative if you want to maintain exposure to these sectors, but not necessarily like we didn't want to have banking exposure. Yeah. So we avoided that. And, and you can still maintain sector exposure and be selective. Yeah, financials are probably one of the most diversified sectors alone. You know. So anyway, that's, uh, that's our, our situation. The one thing that you need to do for sure is make sure that you manage risk. There's an old adage, uh, you know, it's foolish to risk money that you need in an attempt to make money you don't need. 
Uh, the only way you know how much money you need is to talk to a financial planner. We don't have one on the show today, um, but, uh, you know, we always have financial planners around here. If you need a financial planner uh, to help you answer that question, how much do you need to save and how much do you need to make on your savings while you do it, you can always give us a call, 770-429-9166, and uh, we would absolutely jump at the chance to answer that question for you. So, um Jesse, we have a bunch of questions, and again, we always love to answer listener questions. Uh, there's one here, and we've got about a minute left in this segment, so it might run over into the next. But uh, Chris from Vinings writes, uh, my accountant filed my tax return on March 24th. Um, it was also the final tax return for my late wife who died in 2019. I'm expecting a refund I still have not received it. I have uh, used the IRS where is my refund tool, uh, and they have confirmed receipt, and the status is pending. Uh, I'm signed up for automatic deposit. Should I be worried? My accountant says no, but she never really gets flustered. That's probably a good accountant, right? One yeah, that's, even that's right. <laughs> Jesse, what do you say? keep everyone calm, but, yeah, I mean, there's a couple things in, in that statement that could be causing the delay, but the major one this year is coronavirus. Um, just like everything else, part of the IRS shut down with the coronavirus pandemic, and it's just taking them longer to get to return. Um, and and it's not even it final. So long is, is that the wife passed away. Whenever there's kind of a filing change, they, they take a little bit longer to look at things. And I know we're coming up on a break, but we can definitely continue talking about it and give, give some pointers on what to do if it continues to not come back to you. Sounds great. Let's take a real quick break, and when we come back, we'll finish answering Chris from Vining's question. You're listening to Money Talks. Pandemic-induced recession. You're listening to Money Talks. Money Talks. We're back. Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci and Jesse Thomas. And uh, we've been talking about uh, several things, answering listener questions. If you have your question that you would like for us to answer, we'd love to hear from you. Our question hotline is 1-855-429-9166. Uh, you call in, you'll hear our voice recording, leave your voicemail, including your answer, and uh, we will play it on the air and answer right behind it. If you prefer to talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com, or you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled in the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. We've got lots of information downloaded for uh, your viewing pleasure. You can answer, like I said, your own question with just a little bit of research. Uh, We've tried to compile it uh, under certain topics, uh, one of which is COVID-19 or coronavirus that uh, would help you slog through a lot of the different uh, programs that the government's put out to kind of bolster our economic situation in relation to COVID-19. Jesse, before 
the break, we uh, had taken on a question from Chris from Vinings. I'll read it again just to uh, refresh those that might not have been listening. And if you weren't, shame on you. So pay attention. Here we go. Uh, My accountant filed my tax return on March 24th. It was also the final tax return for my late wife who died in 2019. I am expecting a refund. I still have not received it. I've used the IRS Where is My Refund tool, and they have confirmed receipt, and the status is pending. I'm I'm signed up for automatic deposit, so should I be worried? My accountant says no, but she never really gets flustered about anything. So, uh, Jesse, you had said um, because of COVID-19, the IRS shut down, and uh, it was kind of a slow response, and and they're behind the eight ball Mm -hmm. plus. What is it? July fifteenth is our new deadline, so it's tax season. Strangely enough, yeah. in July, uh, you had something to add to that, and I was going to leave it in your hands. Yeah, so I mean, you are right. The IRS is still partly shut down, which is is kind of causing part of the problem. They're not operating at full capacity yet, um, so refunds are being delayed. They're still getting about ninety percent out within three weeks if you e-file you file a paper return, they're taking about six to eight weeks. But that other 10% of people it is really being delayed. Um, part of it is due to coronavirus. In, in the case that you read, you know, the wife also had passed away. It could be that the change in filing status is what's causing them to slow down. Um, sometimes if they want to look at something a little more closely, they pull it out for review and it'll say pending until the review is complete. But my best guess would be that it is probably coronavirus-related. They've released a couple of statements saying that things are just slow right now. Um, And, I mean, we can even see it in the numbers. Filing is down 5.3% from last year, which is because the deadline has been extended. But processing is down about 12%. So you've got that, that gap there. If you are really concerned, even if your accountant says not to, you can always call the IRS. Um, but speaking from experience, since they're still in a partial shutdown, you're probably looking at about an hour to an hour and a half wait time on the phone. Yeah. But Ooh. if you, you want to know the status, that is the best way to go about it. So don't definitely don't have to just rely on the technology, uh, although it would probably be the least bothersome way to go about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Jesse, I, I failed to mention at the start of the show, usually I'll go through everybody's designations. And, and uh, just to let the listeners know, Jesse is not just a run-of-the-mill he- run pointy head. She's, uh, she's actually a CPA, right? Hold yes. a CPA designation. Uh, so uh, Jesse is one of quite a few CPAs at Hensler Financial. And if you have questions, uh, she can always help you if you had anything specific phone number there again is 770-429-9166 you can uh, call and ask for jesse thomas and uh, you will be directed to her and she can help you with tax questions uh speaking of which jesse we've got another question from uh, rich from duluth uh, says i was one of the unfortunate ones who contracted covid19 in march ouch uh i was in the hospital for close to three weeks holy cow uh, thankfully, I never had to go to ICU. I've not been able to work uh, since I got home from the hospital. Uh, my boss is understanding. That's a good thing. And I'm considered a extended. I'm ex- I'm considered on extended medical leave. Uh, he was able to file for unemployment for me to help me out, uh, which is another nice thing. 
Um, I don't have any taxes taken from my extra unemployment, that extra 600 bucks a week that runs out soon. So the question is, where do I even start trying to get my taxes on track for 2021? What you got? Yes. Yeah, I'm glad he's starting to feel better at least, but that that is not a fun situation. Yeah. Um, and unemployment benefits are taxable to the person who receives them. And I know about, I think they're estimating about a third of taxpayers don't know that that's taxable income. So it's good that you've discovered this now and you're kind of doing what you can. If you want a quick solution, you can always look at about what percentage of your income was taxed last year and maybe make a catch-up payment. Um, if you don't have that luxury right now because you need that money, I know unemployment benefits are usually less than what you are usually earning, which means your income could be down and you would earn owe less tax next year. Um, it may be a good idea once you're back full-time to have a tax projection and see if a CPA can help catch you up or to make sure that you pay in at least 100% or 110%, depending on your income level, from last year. I think the cutoff's around 120000 which will protect you from penalties and interest, and then you can just catch up when you file your return. All right. Sounds great, Jesse. Uh, again, if you have specific questions, you can give her a call, 770-429-9166, and uh, ask for Jesse Thomas. Um Jesse, the, uh, the the one good thing I will say about Rich's situation is uh, although he has had to suffer, uh, he's going to be better off in 2021 for having worried about this uh, than those exactly. who just took their extra 600 bucks and went to Vegas, right? Right. They, <laughs> hopefully they won big. Otherwise, they're going to have <laughs> losing and a, a tax bill to worry about, which uh, – <laughs> Not the best of all situations, uh, Nick. We wanted to talk a little about uh, some of the some of the reactions that we've been seeing in the market. They really aren't getting a whole lot of talk. I mean, you hear stories about companies struggling, really mostly airlines, and you know we mentioned earlier Hertz, travel and tourism, those sorts yeah, of things, and and lots of uh, small businesses, restaurants especially. Uh, but you had something we were going to talk about well, with uh, bankruptcies. Yeah, it's it's bankruptcies and it's it's actual permanent job cuts because we all know that you know a bunch of people were out of work due to the coronavirus, restaurants, travel tourism, et cetera. Right. Um, but what we're what we're seeing, and we've been writing about this for over a month now. If you get our weekly uh, economic recap, it is permanent job cuts. I mean, corporations. You name the industry, you're seeing permanent job cuts in the thousands, tens of thousands, um, and it's it's become pretty concerning, and I don't feel like you're seeing it too much in the headlines. And second, as you mentioned, Troy, is, is the number of bankruptcies. So I pulled bankruptcy data available through a um, source we have, Bloomberg, back to 1999, and so far in 2020, we have 134 companies filing for Chapter 7 or Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So if you look back in 2019, we had 139 for the full year. So, you know, at face value, you're like, oh, it's not that far off. Well, let's keep in mind we're only halfway through the year. That's true. So I annualized that number, and it comes to 256 bankruptcies is what we're on pace for um, should this pace continue. Um, that would mark the highest level since 2009. You remember 2009? Yeah, it was um, – oh, I mean, Pretty we were recovering by right? 2009, but yeah, we were in definitely in a recession. Right. So 2008 it, it seemed a lot worse for a guy that watches the market. 200 bankruptcies in 2008. Yeah, no kidding. 
Um, but it's just a very high, very elevated level of bankruptcies that we're on pace for. And it's, it's really across the board, um, affecting all sorts of industries, but those most affected, we have six in the exploration and production, six in crude oil and natural gas exploration and production. So energy focus right there, the top two. Um, you've got nonprofit uh, organizations at five restaurants, all the way down the list. You name it, there's companies in here. So just keep an eye on that sort of thing because I think it's pretty indicative of what we can expect um, going forward with the, the recovery should it come to fruition. Yeah, and, uh, and if you are a small business that's worrying about that, you might consider talking to a CPA to see if you can apply for a, a small business administration economic injury disaster loan. Um, we've seen that a few times where people think that once the pandemic's over that they'll go back to normal to avoid bankruptcy because of the event. Yeah, no doubt. Right. All right. So uh, that's going to wrap our show. I'm saying market's up next week. What do you think, Nick? Debbie Downer, I mean. Uh, I'll say up. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.